Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travellers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man appears.com. I'm your sweltering host, Dave Ryan, and I am joined in this heat wave of an episode by my good friend and yours, my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. How are you, buddy? I'm not too bad. It's uh, quite warm. It's... Uh a unseasonably warm September beginning to in, here in Ireland. So, uh, mm. but look, we won't complain because about ten days from now it's going to be pissing rain and there'll be floods everywhere, yep. and we'll be miserable. and then we'll complain about that. Yeah, so it's the Irish way. Uh, our first standard taping since our our trip abroad ski, um, but. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, we kind of delved into it a little bit more behind the paywall. You're going to have to listen to it over at a large man for five Europeans uh, to get at least two bonus shows a month. Uh, this month included in that will be the video archive of our all out pre pre show where we talked CM Punk at length. We talked our trip to England at length. And we did some uh, some predictions that I'm not sure where we landed. A few of them, I think, were, were well off uh, in terms of All Out, uh, which ended up being a very enjoyable show. I mean, great show, but uh, let, let's just say we got everything right because nobody's going to listen back anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and for those of you who are at largemanappears.com, we take it on faith that you will also pretend we got everything right. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, man, what a, what a great show All Out was. I wish we had got that one in England. <laughs> yeah, it was a banger, wasn't it? Yeah, ah, sure. Like Danielson and Starks having a like a flat out like fr- I would say front runner for match of the year mm-hmm. uh, for me personally. Um, like I suppose uh, Omega Osprey is the is the one maybe that people are gonna side with over it so far this year. Um, I, but, it's, uh, it's a, it's a toss up for me between the two. Alright, the, the first time I got spray and Ricky and Dragon. 
Yeah, I feel like this is more... I, I hate using it because it's a kind of beaten into the ground Twitter phrase, but this is my graps. Mm-hmm. Like, just the... I, I can't remember who it was. I really... God, I wish I could give them credit, but there was a great tweet about it, which was like... um. Ricky Starks and Brian Danielson having a chop battle, but instead of chops, it was straps to the face. Uh, <laughs> it was great. And like on any other show, um, Mox Orange Cassidy would have been an absolute blow away. The one we were all talking about. And even uh, Omega Takeshita. Like yeah. there was some fucking great, very little chuffa on that show. It was, it was great. It was what I think it was what we needed after the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I said this in the VW Discord. I thought uh, AEW really needed to change the perception around the company itself. And yeah. they badly needed a W. And I think that's yeah. what All Out gave them. Yeah, and a pretty decent episode of Dynamite. I don't know how much of it you've watched yet, but a oh, pretty yeah, solid yeah. episode last night. There's some good direction going on. Um, Swerve versus Hanger in particular, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let, let, intended. Let, let's get Swerve up there. Let's let's get swerve up there. Let's mm-hmm. let's get keep the momentum going with hanger for once. Um, some things are are, are cooking, so I'm I'm happy with that. Tony Storm continuing to lose her mind, or one of oh, our other so favorite running bits. Fucking good. <laughs> it's great. It's great. What um, was it? Chin, chin up, tits out. Watch for the shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going to be a t-shirt. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it might be a t-shirt by the time this drops. I would not wear it, but you know. Are you uh, really? You wouldn't put that in your uh, in your wardrobe next to the fat ass bad attitude Anna J shirt. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed the people that Anna J retweets wearing the short. I mean, it's a literal. It's always you. It's literally a murderous <laughs> row of people. Uh, <laughs> a literal murderous <laughs> row. Um, but yeah, no, I do won't. They all ha- do they all have the look of somebody who, in the first uh, scene of a Batman movie, yell, "It's the Bat"? <laughs> Those guys. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> in some ways, my people. <laughs> um. Right. Uh, we're beating around the bush here. Uh, we need to kind of get in the direction of of 1999 um but as we talked about on episode 73 we're starting to have a look at not necessarily the wcw context like we're not following what's happening on nitro very closely but i think it's been fun for us and i enjoyed it on episode 73 we seem to get good feedback as well from the listeners shout out by the way to the days of uh thunder channel in the voices of wrestling discord uh come in have a chat with us about the shows and what you're enjoying um, but yeah, good feedback to us looking at the Wrestling Observer to find out what's happening in the wide and wacky world of wrestling around the time of these shows, uh, which is especially going to benefit us uh, as these shows get duller and duller. Uh, it'll <laughs> and, give us something. And, and as more people get fired and hurt in the company. Yeah, the, the irony that like the, the on, on-screen thunder is just careening off a cliff in terms of like, it, it's not even in a good bad area at the moment like i think we need to we just need to gut it out till russo's around for the good bad to come back um so for this while we're really going to be leaning on the irony that this show is very boring but it feels like every week i'm looking in the observer and like a thousand things are happening in wrestling Mm -hmm. um the first i suppose the most noticeable in terms of like the course that the business would take lee is that um 
WWF officially reincorporates as Titan Sports this week. So they're they're gearing up for that initial public offer that we all know eventually makes Vince McMahon officially a billionaire. Ew. Um, but yeah, this is uh, you were saying that it didn't feel like it was it was uh, around now that it was it became Titan Sports. Did you think it was going to be a lot sooner? Yeah, I, I don't know whether it was just headcanon, but I just uh, was always under the impression that it became Titan way earlier. Because I mean, you just I mean, you hear maybe it's just because of the shoe promos or shoot interviews we listened to so much in the early to mid two thousands where people would say Titan so much. You just assumed yeah. it was kind of Titan very early on in the nineties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, it, it, like you said, it was one of the last steps before the IPO, so it was a kind of mm. necessary thing to be done. Uh, we also have the Kansas City Police Department declaring that there will be no charges filed in the death of Owen Hart. Um, they they made a statement this week talking about how uh, there's a difference between criminal and civil charges. So they're saying there'll be no criminal charges brought, but the negligent uh, the negligence charge would be a civil matter, it seems, uh, against the person who was rigging the equipment um, or the company that was rigging the equipment, should I say. Um they also have in the Observer this week, it's the week before the Hall of Fame issue. And I, I think uh, Dave's Hall of Fame is really, it's interesting to me, always, and it ties people up in knots mm-hmm. um, all the time. But I always find it interesting to see who's up and who goes in and who doesn't meet the threshold. So I think now that we've landed on the week before the Hall of Fame, would it interest you to have a, a, a look at the list here of who might go in? And then next week we can have a look at who did go in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I love uh, Hall of Fame discussion. I think yeah. it's very interesting. I think it's one of the more interesting times of the year in wrestling discourse. Yeah. Do Do you want to? Um, I don't know. Do you want to say yay or nay to these people? Because like it's a pretty. I think it might be yeses the whole way through for you. Or do you want to go like wait till the end and then say who are some of the people you think should go in ahead of others at this stage? Let, let's do yay or nay. Okay. Uh, we're starting off strong. Captain Lou Albano. So, obviously, we're going to say, at this point in 1999, yay or nay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not, uh, if any uh, people who have henceforth been revealed as monsters or unretired <laughs> and disgraced themselves in the ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Is Snapshot August 99? Captain Lou. Uh, borderline, I'm going to say no. The greatest tribute to that man ever, and I was I was so after the Captain Lou Albano era. But that one Observer Radio after he dies, where they had Paul Heyman on as a guest, and Paul Heyman just tells Lou Albano stories for two hours, incredible. the 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 story about the New York City cops uh, catching him having a piss on the street in broad daylight, and then realizing it was Captain Lou, and just be like, ah, you go on, <laughs> like it's incredible. Um, Ole and Iron. Separate. Not mm. uh, not going in as a tag team. Oh, not as a tag team. No. Well, then no for no. both. No for both. Um, Lioness Asuka. I mean, yes. Uh, Bob Backlund. Yes. Uh, this is where we're going to show up our lack of knowledge, possibly. Uh, Cien Caras. From what I know, yes. Uh, again, I'm not the biggest lucha guy in the world, but yeah. Yeah, he was a top guy in Mexico for more than 20 years, mm-hmm. Dave said. So that's, here's one that'll be, there's a couple of these that'll be right up your strasse. Chow now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Carlos Colon. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Terry Gordy. The sentiment wants you to put him in, doesn't it? Yeah. The sentimental it. side says. But I, I don't... Like, you have the All Japan run as well. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the All Japan run is exactly what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and then you had the free words. To, like, yeah. It's a real borderline case, I think. Yeah. Uh, Chavo Classic. I don't know how big of a draw he was in like the 70s and 80s. I don't know. I'm going to say no because I don't know mm-hmm. what his drawing uh, history was. His drawing power was only a few years in Lo- the Los Angeles area uh, and he was almost forgotten about after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was he was he he had a run in Japan as well. Um, and obviously a few years after this he comes back and he's wrestling on SmackDown. Uh, Gran Hamada. I mean, yeah, influence. Yeah. Um, Vulcan. Not again, my in terms style, of like, but influence, no, yeah. Yeah, again, like historic names. Uh-huh. Uh, here's one that I know you might have thoughts on. Hiroshi Hase. Love him. I love yeah. so much of his work, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Uh, semi-related. Hash. Yeah. Just okay. sentimentally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes? No. If it was the Freebirds as an act? Yeah, I yeah. think, uh, yeah, because you'd have to have the influence thing with the Freebirds. Uh, Curtis Iakea? Again, don't know his draw in history. I think yeah. he was a decent enough draw as a heel, but I, I don't know enough mm. to say yes or no. Uh, here's one I think that's a stone cold yes for both of us it might have been a tougher sell in 99 because he wasn't fully finished yet Cactus Jack ah yeah like it's hard to parse out that he wasn't like he was literally on the verge of being one of the biggest stars and the biggest boom ever like at this yeah, point yeah uh, Conan your mate I mean he's one of the biggest draws in the history of Mexico yeah, <laughs> he's a big shite bag, isn't he? And I don't know thing. if you know this, but he has a podcast now. Um, you listen to my podcast, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna have to say yeah because he did draw so well. Yeah, here's one that you won't have to spend too much time humming and hawing over. Liger, even by '99, yes. Yeah, uh, Lismark. Ooh, again, not aware of what his drawing history was, so I'm gonna have to pass on that one. Yeah, Wahoo. No. Yeah, I'd probably lean that way. Again, not fully my ear, not like yeah. an area of Again, expertise for I, me, I, but it very the instinct level. says no. Yeah, yeah. The instinct says no. Uh, Sean. No. By 99, no. It's only, yeah, like his run on top is really only You're talking two and a half years. Two and a, two, yeah, two and a half, three years. Um by the time he retires first. I think he's a stone cold lock by the time he retires the second time. Because he comes back and is as good, if not better, than he was in his first run and puts together, like, if you were to put your top 10 Shawn Michaels match together, I would say for a lot of people now, the majority of them will be second run. Like, I'd say probably easily seven, if not eight, just off the top of my head, are, yeah. are from a second run. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, this again, like not our area of expertise. Bill Miller. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon. Ooh. That's an interesting... I'd actually love to research that one. I think he did go in eventually, didn't he? Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, Dave says he doesn't see him as a Hall of Fame uh, wrestler, let alone an announcer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking I love Catty Dave. Uh, again, this is a very... This is the closest we come to the... Ooh, do I want to say yes or no based on what we know now? Mula. Ugh. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's just say no. Yeah. At the time in 99, you were probably saying yes. Yeah, I mean, she, had, she was champion for fucking 29 years or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pedro Morales? Yes, absolutely. Dick Murdoch? No. That was a real, like, Dick Murdoch is one that, like, Dave would, like, the, over the years, I'd hear Dave talk talk up uh, Dick Murdoch and like Cornette as well talk up Dick Murdoch like uh, when it would come to Hall of Fame season yeah I think Dick was like a big star and like like he, I know he went around the South a lot and I think he was in LA a bit as well which obviously Dave would yeah. have been there for yeah Um, here's one that I think we'll talk about one pulling on the Lee Malone heartstrings KG Muto oh, 100% <laughs> yeah. he, even I know he still hasn't had this 2001 revival at this point but yeah 100, like I just yeah. love Muto we're not experts in this next particular field, but what we do know, I think this is going to be a stone cold yes for both of us. Bull Nakano. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Masa Saito. Ooh, that's an interesting one. I think yes. Yeah. He, uh, like, yeah, I think if you were to look over his career, he has such a fucking varied career. And he was such a big part of a lot of stuff in uh, New Japan as well. Yeah. Uh, he says another... Uh, Dave said he's another Dick Murdoch. Him and Saito are two of the most underrated performers of modern times. Uh, high praise from Dave. Uh, Seiji Sakaguchi. He went on to be New Japan president. Or he was New Japan president, yes. wasn't he? He was New Japan president. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, because like I think he was in charge during the 90s boom, if I remember correctly. Yes, he was, and he was, uh, he, his bigger qualifications behind the scenes might be when it comes to getting and keeping TV deals, uh, than what he did. They, he, he contrasts him here in this bit to Baba, whereas, like, Baba was legendary in the ring and out of it. It was mainly, like, his historical significance was what he did as president. He's the one that kept Anoki in check for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, El Satanico. Again, Lucha, um, yeah. I, Dave says with- no. Oh, okay. At this stage in 1999, he says that the, he held more titles than any wrestler in Mexican history, but wow. he still says he's not a Hall of Fame guy. Okay. Uh, interesting one that he's, this next one that he stresses is not on his wrestling career, Ken Shamrock. Because they, <sighs> the Observer is covering MMA by yeah, now. Yeah, Pancrase and UFC. And like it, the combination of the MMA career and how much I did enjoy him in the Fed, I would kind of like, he is one of the most significant figures in the history of mixed martial arts. I mean, him and Tito was what really boomed the UFC. Wasn't it the, the four, was that the first or second Ultimate Fighter season? No, so you're thinking the Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner was the fight. Oh, well, that, the, was, the, that was the, the fight that yeah. got the big, huge audience. But. So the big, the big pay-per-view was that, and then it was um, the, the big, big one. So that was like the first big feud, but then the one that the Ultimate Fighter happened, and then I think afterwards it was Tito and Chuck Liddell. 
was, ah, it was the, Team like, Tito. When things, yes, went, yes, when things yes. went enormous. But you're right that Tito and Shamrock was like of the first wave of UFC popularity in the 2000s. That was yeah, because like, T- Tito fucking steamrolled through the lines then, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up, Tiger Jeet Singh. I mean, yes. Okay, Sergeant Slaughter. I feel like we need to call Lanza up about. Yeah, like, he beats the drum about Slaughter again. That's somebody I'd love if I had the time, and I might have soon to actually like research mm-hmm. Slaughter because he he feels like a Hall of Famer to me. Remember earlier when I said I thought Mula was the only uh, what we know of them since wrestler. Stucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Wilbur Snyder. Don't know enough about him. Yeah. Undertaker. No. In 99, no absolutely way. not. No way. Like, that's one of those, it's just by virtue of that he's hit 35 now, so he's eligible. Um, Kerry. Kerry Von Eric. Yes. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Dr. Death. No. Eric Bischoff. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, either uh, you um, either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> like if he'd just retired in 1998, it'd be like fucking locked in. That's an odd one, isn't it? That's that's very much angle at his peak going on the fucking on the ballot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think in 99 I would vote for him because he did revolutionize the business. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Jim Ross. No. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm tainted by like 2023 20, eyes, but even by 99, I, I don't know. Mm. What would you say for 99, Jim Ross? See, I'm conscious of the fact that he's only got really like one or two years left at his peak in this. Because like after that, he kind of becomes like he starts losing interest <laughs> because Vince is yelling at him. Yeah. Too much. So I'm I'm thinking like if if not by 2002, if you haven't well, he decided he's win, going yeah. to the Hall of Fame, then he doesn't go in. But I think... Uh, and I... is the recency bias of just how bad he's been the last five plus years yeah i think dave was always a big fan though so i think he would have got in if he didn't get in in 99 i think he would have got in anyway by the mid-2000s yeah look he soundtracked our childhood watching wwf for better or worse so there's yeah for better or worse um in other news i'll try to do a whistle stop tour because we took a lot longer than i thought we would on that um the brian hildebrand memorial show happened oh um, raising about $30,000 uh, for escalating medical bills. Like you said, it's a legendary show, so I don't think we need to go through like the people that were on it or anything like that, but that was a, a big uh, a big notable one there. And then I'm just going to scroll down to the... There's a couple of interesting tidbits in the, uh, the WCW news. So Hogan, uh, we talk about how he doesn't wrestle or get physically involved on this show. He just does one spot. The reason for that is his knee. Oh, the old knees back, Adam Lee. Oh, oh God, imagine that. So Hogan's knee injury is described as a hyperextension. Details are sketchy regarding what that means, I'll bet. Since basically all long-term plans were built around Hogan, 
Hogan didn't work Nitro because of the knee injury, only doing an angle where blank happens. We'll talk about it in a while. Uh, he did walk around, do injury, do interviews, and even do a run-in. <laughs> it's just classic Hogan. He did all the things that a knee's supposed to do, but he's like, oh, it's not going to work for me, brother. Did, uh, was uh, L. Terry scheduled to do the J-O-B at the PPV? I don't know. We're going to find out. Um, so we got an answer from Dave. Uh... 24 years ago about why we never got the payoff to Miss Madness versus Medusa when they seemed to be building that way a few weeks ago. Okay. Medusa got hurt. Ah, okay. So Medusa's not clear to wrestle and I'm assuming based on what we looked up on Cage Match at the time by the time she's back all the heat and interest in doing that match has gone out so they're just doing them at like house shows and, and shit. And they, they put her down with uh, Evan Courageous. Yes. Yes. Um, David Finlay is home from the hospital. Um, fit. Uh, you remember he's one of the many people that got fucked up in that junkyard mm-hmm. battle royal he had to go for emergency surgery on the leg because he couldn't feel his foot anymore so that's great uh, Jason Hervey is not set to come back to commentary in WCW because it was basically unanimous that it didn't work we could have told you that from the little bit um, we saw uh, Write this down now, Lee. Uh, the plan now is for Scott Hall to return in about two weeks, but you know how these plans go. The plan is for him and Kevin Nash to be the outsiders, but nobody else is linked with them. Um, the pay rates have changed on house shows in WCW. Now wrestlers are getting paid between $150 and $500 per house show, depending on their position on the card. Um there is a, a big effort among some of the, the mid-carders to scrap hardcore matches in WCW because of the high injury rate and the fact that nobody gets over doing that style of match. Hugh Morris and Public Enemy did a radio show saying the problem wasn't the style, but that the wrestlers were doing the style weren't experienced enough at it. As Public Enemy said, for them, it's more dangerous than any other match, which is wild. Uh, Nitro beat Raw last week, so, you know, to kind of dispel that rumor that after the 83 weeks it was just one-way street, they were still beating them sometimes. Um, Nitro got into a little bit of trouble. They're not being allowed to run a commercial for the Nitro Girls pay-per-view on TNT or TBS. Nitro Station will allow advertising for any show that isn't rated G or PG. And because uh, there was apparently a brief shot of Che on the pay-per-view that showed a glimpse of something not in those parameters, it didn't qualify for a PG rating and the stations wouldn't put it on with the PG rating. Um... There is great stuff about, uh, I think the last thing I want to mention. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> last couple of things. Rodman was on a radio show during the week saying he's earning one million for his four Nitro and one pay-per-view stint this time with WCW, which is something we kind of alluded to, but that's that confirmed by the man himself there. Uh, they have, uh, this is a chilling uh, look into the future of WCW. They have canceled a late October tour to Germany. Because they're going to be filming the WCW movie. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, we all know what that means. Um, Also, at this stage, they are talking about how it appears the Kiss Demon may not end up being Dale Torborg, but the role may now be given to Brian Adams. Oh. Um, WCW is continuing to scout the country for indie guys for developmental contracts at the power plant. They are trying to create a cruiserweight division at the power plant to, to kind of refresh the division on TV. Um, so that's all the news that was fit to print in the Observer that week. That, that, uh, like I said, it's just wild. Oh, fucking million things going on every single week now. That that's an interesting tidbit to to remember that they were trying to refill the power plant in 
mid to late 99. And they do refill the power plant, but with some absolute fucking whoppers. <laughs> How dare you talk down about Reno? <laughs> there was a very... I remember there was a very early days of Thunderly where we listed the famous graduates. Yes. Of the power plant. And half of them were just like, lads, Sarge probably met once at catering. Well, uh, it it's about as prestigious as the people that came to NXT, Dave. I don't know if you saw that list this yeah. week. Oh, God. Finn Balor. No. Uh, AJ Lee. Ah. Roman Reigns, who's appeared on one episode of NXT. Yeah. You mean Leaky? So, yeah. Yeah, because somebody got in trouble, didn't they? Did that come up because there was somebody that um, talked about the developmental pipeline? There was a wrestler that talked about it. And they got a little bit trouble because they said that the people that are coming out of NXT aren't nearly as good as when he was in developmental because he was talking about FCW. Oh. Um, and people got a bit upset about it. I can't remember who it was. It's just r- rattling around in my head from being too online. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Thunder 74 from La Crosse, Wisconsin. 5th of August, 1999. A 2.6 rating down by 0.2, which was the exact amount they went up by last week. So this 2.6 to 2.8 rating seems to be where they're sitting at the moment. But the pre-tape ones have been dipping down as low as like a 2.4, 2.3 kind of range uh we get a cold open of hollywood saving sting from rick and sid and then the spot we were kind of alluding to is nash power bombing him through a table and him dying um and you can tell he's trying to sell that he can't do anything else because he like he, he goes through this table and a whole segment unfolds and he doesn't move like he is stone dead on the floor and it makes so much sense now with Dave's context. Yeah, it's a great, great selling from El uh, Hulkster there. Mm. Uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, home of beers and brats, according to uh, Tanae. Now, I did know Wisconsin is beer country in the States, but I didn't know that bratwurst is a big thing there. So, Yeah, big big, uh, I mean, big German population in the Midwest. I guess so, yeah, I guess. Um, so, I mean, it seems like a great place to, to go visit then. Well, I mean, um, I mean look at our, our faithful leader, Richard Quaich. Mm, indeed. Um, <laughs> what should he? Could he give us some vacation wrecks? I wonder. <laughs> well, he's not, still not talking to me, so I don't know. Yeah, he's not talking to you. He might give me wrecks. Yeah, he might. He, 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 he might respond people. to you. I, I'm just getting the yeah. call all at the moment. The campaign. If anybody wants to join Rich Crage's campaign to make Lee watch Days of Thunder, the movie. I mean, all it's really going to take is for Rich to sign up for the Patreon for one month and uh, and push TRL. it through as a TRL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's all he has I mean, to do. he has all that fucking Patreon money. Yeah, I believe this is the second straight show where you've inferred that he's cheap for not doing it. I am not saying Rich is cheap. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm not implying it. I'm flat out fucking saying it. Is what you're saying. I do not co-sign that. At all. I mean, you're just you're, um, just you're just nudging. You're just trying. You, know, you see what you're doing. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not poking the bear. I don't mm. know what you mean. Jungle Boy was talking shit about you, Lee. <laughs> um. <laughs> you're trying to oh, you're trying to employ him the CM Punk of uh, the field. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is, I get up rich in the tunnel. <laughs> Asking him outside. Challenging Andrew Sinclair after his impact reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Monitors falling on Joe as you're trying to tussle. Oh, God. Um, 
so uh, the lads talk absolute shite here on commentary, much like we just did uh, to open the show. Larry gets his kudos. Um, they're saying now that Nash's motivation, which like it has been clear for several months that Nash's motivation is the world heavyweight title, but they've decided to change that narrative a week and a half in the pay-per-view. And his motivation now isn't to win the WCW title. It's to become a household name, not Hogan. And I just love, like, again, it's one of those things where you ascribe it to what happens when Russo comes in, but the belt is just a prop now. Yeah. Like, it's not something that people want to win anymore. It's something that people win out of spite. I mean, they they, 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 they play a video package later on the night that's all about Hogan, Nash, and the belt. And the belt is secondary. Yeah. Yeah, the belt is secondary. And that's the thing, like, it's so funny that, like, to watch Hogan, the dichotomy of, like, Hogan, whenever he, like, he's politicking backstage because he wants to be the champion all the time. But he also considers himself above the belt. Like, I suppose it speaks to the deep insecurity of the man. That he absolutely could have been insisting and getting from Bischoff main events on all these pay-per-views, even if they weren't for the title. Mm-hmm. But he needs that little ego boost of having the gold thing around him. And he's so insecure about it, he wants to pretend he doesn't care. Like The, the whole thing is, like with Vince was that he he talked about Savage, first of all, being the Bay Brute of the WWF. Then he wanted mm-hmm. to ascribe that thing to Bret Hart, where it was like, they're, yeah. they're beyond being a champion. They're just, they are, yeah. like, it's them. It's that, it's Randy Savage. It's Bret Hart. Yeah. That's what Hogan could have been in WCW in the late 90s. But... Th- that's what Hogan was, but I think he was like for a man with such an ego, he was so insecure about himself that he needed the belt as well mm-hmm. as being bigger than the belt. It's it's just a fascinating thing to think about that I don't think I'd really mulled over that much before this show. Um our opening match, it's about as far from Hulk and Nash as you can get. It's uh, Chris Adams versus Prince IKEA, the flat pack sovereign. Uh, in a battle of two men, World Championship Wrestling do not give a shit about. I mean, why should they? Uh, no, yes, they they shouldn't. Like Chris Adams is a solid enough hand, but has like the charisma of a wet mop. Um, and IKEA, I mean, what they tried about three times with him in the first year of Thunder, and like I mean, I don't know how many times before that, and it just never happens. Like he just he just does not connect. Like, does not have there's no emotional resonance they're not even he doesn't get heel heat he doesn't get face he, like baby face reactions they just don't give a shit I, like people just go they would if they had phones they would be going on them during Ikea matches I think he was trying to be a heel here right because he comes out kind of mean mean mugging or whatever his version of that was and um, yeah and yeah, like like you said, they tried in early '98 to make him a thing. Like they they had the unbreakable Northern Light suplex that he was winning all his matches with. Um, yeah. Then they tried again. I think with a cruiserweight push sometime around the middle of the year. Yeah, and then they do. Do you remember his most recent comeback? They built to him coming back, and they made it sound like a big deal that he was back. And it immediately got beaten like a drum. Yes, which was great. Very funny. I won't deny. Um, so Ikea has a new haircut. He's gotten rid of the kind of the um, the longish parts of his hair. It's fairly like standard buzz cut now almost. Um, match is a pretty inoffensive though. Like it's not outright bad. It's just kind of we are doing a five minute match to kick off Thunder. 
Like, that's, that's, that's it, like. Um, Ikea is maybe getting the better of things, and then immediately Sid comes out. I love and, this, uh, yeah. So do, do you want to describe what happens? Because I, I, I believe I saw what I could describe as a shoot kick in the dick <laughs> for this DQ. I think he was intending to kick Chris Adams in the gut, but absolutely punted him in the bell end. I mean, you've pretty much described what happened, but yeah. <laughs> like, the, the match has gone on, and the fans instantly react because some a star comes out on the ramp. Um, and Sid... Yeah. When you hear the crowd go, and you're like, well, it can't be for these fucking idiots. <laughs> but yeah, Sid walks in, like you say, kicks Adams in the dick, and powerbombs him, and decides to pin him, which the ref- he makes the referee count, which is great. Yes, so it, it, we had kind of talked about how he's now committed to doing the, the Millennium Man Goldberg yes. streak. Yeah, he's going to beat Goldberg streak, and this is—it's one of my favorite parts of Death of WCW, where they actually chart how he was inflating his score week by week. I might try and pull that passage in the next couple of weeks to read out, but it's very funny. And I remember them talking about this match in particular, where, in case you're wondering where they're getting all these wins from, the winner of a Prince Ikea Chris Adams match was Sid Vicious. Twice. Twice, yeah, he pins both he of pin, them. He pins Adams and then he chokeslams uh, Ikea and the yeah. powerbombs him and gets the pin as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, anytime Sid walks in on a match, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, if he came out with anybody I cared about, I'd be mad. But, uh, well, is there anybody you care about on the undercard of a WCW show at this point? Yeah, not right now. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh, we'll, we'll move on from this bit. Uh, by the way, oh, he's saying uh, that he's he's threatening to beat up to 100 men a night. By the way, he, get, he goes, I'm going to beat two men a night. And people are kind of like, meh. And he goes, all right, five men a night. Uh, all right, ten men a night. Uh, and then he gets all the way up to a hundred. I think he calls them victims. A hundred victims a night to beat Goldberg's streak. Which would really only take him like Two a couple of nights then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I had written here, get ready for some bullshit. Because they are going to start giving you the, the Sid victory clock. Uh, and it's great. There's actually one time where in between shows, I'm pretty sure I remember reading that the count accidentally goes down. Oh my god. It's great. It's so WCW. <laughs> I can't wait for it's this. It's so WCW. I think there's one where his count changes on the show without him having competed. Oh, so he beat somebody um, backstage and he just didn't show it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's just pinning men left, right, and center. Um our next singles match, Buff Bagwell versus Scotty Riggs. And one thing I will say about this match. The one sole representative of the concept of continuity in this company is Mike Tanay, who, I mean, at breakneck Excalibur plugging the next three shows at AEW pace, attempts to give you the entire, hist- the entire history of both of these men leading into this match, where he's just like, you know, this is basically a big deal. Like, these guys were a tag team. And then they broke up. Scotty Riggs got uh, brought into a cult for a while. He had one eye for a while. And now he's back and he's sexy and they're fighting. Uh, <laughs> he's <back and> sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been his vignettes. <laughs> yeah. Although he looks like with the with the five, permanent five o'clock shadow he's got now and the kind of like scrunched up uh, face and just looking a bit wrecked. You know what he looks like? What's your man? 
God, Vinny. Vinny Massaro. He looks like Vinny Massaro. Oof. That's not a compliment. Doesn't he? I don't know who I'm insulting more, to be fair. Like... Just Vinny listen to us? Probably not. Maybe. Probably maybe. Not. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Saws. <laughs> but it's not. It's. I mean, it is there. The comparison is there. I've put it out into the world now. Do what you want with it. Somebody's going to at Scotty Riggs and say, Dave Ryan thinks you look like Vinny Massaro. <laughs> I was going to say, I doubt that Scotty Riggs cares. But do you know who liked a tweet of mine today? Sean Stasiak. So, you Excuse never me, know what's going to happen. Dr. Sean Stasiak. Dr. Sean Stasiak, yes. Big fan of the show. Yes. All the way from Planet Stasiak. Yeah. You get podcasts there. Um, um, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm disgusted you, you weren't uh, thinking of me when this show, or when this match was going on. Oh, because of your tendency to blare yeah. the American males theme? Yeah. Scaring our four four friend Bo's Johnny when we came to collect him. Uh, I loved American Mail soon. It's great. That was a a very strange road trip. Yeah, that was one where we nearly got lost in the hills of Antrim or wherever. Monaghan. Monaghan. Again, I was driving and I don't know where we were. (laughs) Mainly and Johnny drove from Dublin to, to Belfast for a wrestling show and got badly lost on the way back. I remember the thing about Monaghan, and I remember our brains broke in Monaghan so bad. I can't remember what it was now, so I'm actually going to be able to keep my promise. But we said a series of things so incredibly libelous that we all agreed to never talk about it again. That's right, actually, I remember Because <laughs> I remember a couple of months later, I hinted at the at, at what we talked about, and the two of you were like, shut up! <laughs> I can't even remember what it was now. <laughs> so we'll accidentally go to our graves whatever the hell we must have said on that uh, we'll have to ask Johnny does he remember the next time we're uh, all together yeah you know when you're when you're in the middle of the night and you've just gotten lost in rural northern Ireland <laughs> all you have, and you're exhausted and all you have is each other <laughs> yeah things get said lines get crossed oh god Speaking of oh, actually, it's coming. It started to come back to me. Let's move on quickly. I'm starting to traumatize myself. Speaking of lines being crossed, yeah. Okay, uh, what did you think of the the American male civil war? It was pretty shit, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, Scotty Riggs hits a lovely drop kick, doesn't he? I mean, that's all he has. It's all he has. Yeah. It's just it was a like, like a like a fucking stubbly Bob Holly. All he's got is the drop game. Look, he doesn't even have the Falcon Arrow though. I will give WCW credit; they are trying with buff, and he is getting reactions from the crowds. You do hear a lot of female fucking hollering. Yeah, it's just it's Buff Bagwell, and it's two years too late. Yeah, but it's also the thing where. They're trying to heat him up, but they're putting him in a situation where there's not even a moment of peril. No. Like, no. even even when Scotty Riggs is on top of this match, the crowd don't care because they know they're just waiting for the blockbuster. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're really trying to earnestly heat a guy up, yes, you give him some easy wins, but also you need to put him in there in, like, competitive matches. Also, with, with names. having him in a feud with the cat is not the way to go. No, that ain't it, is it? No. Um... So the 10-punch spot, Larry keeps... Oh, my God. Larry, during this match. Fucking abysmal. 
he's trying to do a series of mirror mirror jokes because Scotty Riggs has the mirror he looks at himself in and he does various mirror mirror rhymes none of which I wrote down because they don't deserve to be remembered by history um the first one was bad and they got worse um Larry whenever he gets a bit into his head that I'm gonna get this bit over it sucks it never works for him now he sucks so bad on commentary which is so unfortunate because we loved him for the first two months of the show Oh, he was like the most over baby face in WCW, apart from Sting at the start of this run. Like, <laughs> just fucking amazing to think about. <laughs> yeah, he was the only one getting the better of the NWO on a weekly basis in at, at like the start of 1998. Um, speaking of mirrors, uh, Riggs hits Buff in the face with the mirror and hits a sidewalk slam for a near fall. Uh, hits another dropkick. Buff starts buffing up. Uh, stops himself from eating a third drop kick. Double down for a count uh, of nine. Uh, <laughs> Larry has this strange turn of phrase that Bagwell's got his second wind back. Uh, I'm assuming this would th- by then be his third wind. Uh, Riggs sets up Buff for a top rope superplex. Blocked. Would you believe he falls down? Uh, blockbuster and a win for Buff Bagwell. Yeah, shite. What isn't shite, though, uh, at least I didn't think, was a terrific little Harlem Heat vignette. Yeah, it was really good. About Harlem Heat, they are one of the greatest tag teams of all time. You should be excited because they're back. Uh, That's basically what it is. And just like really cool, really dynamic little video. Them hitting high spots and lifting tag team championships. Fucking ruled. Do you know what's cool? When promotions tell you things are a big deal and they get treated like a big deal. Yeah. It's so funny that this was like a match between the two American males and then immediately smashes into, okay, now here's a tag team people actually care about. <laughs> Which were around at the same time. Yeah, people, uh, tag team people actually have fond memories of, apart from the theme song. Um, our next match, Eddie Guerrero versus Kidman. And it's another one of those where you see the names on the sheet and you're like, oh, high potential. And it's just, you know, it's a thunder. So they leave a lot not done yeah um it was fine like you know there's not there was nothing wrong with this match but they can have a much better match yeah it was like i have written down this is really good like they're working with intensity and like a real pace and purpose to everything they did but also it felt very much like they were just going through the motions at the same time which says a lot for them going through the motions that they were by far the best workers on the show yeah but yeah you can do that in your sleep and outwork almost everybody on this card again I think it it goes to like how fucking great Eddie Guerrero was at this point yeah Um, we start off fast some head scissors Kidman does a plancha goes through a break um comes back with a gory special underway and that turns into the gory special 2000 variant um even though it's only like three minutes to the match less actually if you don't include the commercial break uh kid or not kidman sorry eddie does the taking ages to make the cover because he wants to protect the gory special 2000 kick out at two eddie with a big superplex another kick out uh, Kidman starts slugging at him, reverse whip into an Eddie tilt where Eddie hits one of the best tilt world. Oh, the snap on it's it, it's in, great. In the business. Unbelievable. Um, 
Eddie catches Kidman for a pop-up powerbomb, runs forward, both men spill outside, at which point Vampiro, who is still being referred to by today as El Vampiro, sneaks out, uh, hits a clothesline and a Vampiro spike on Eddie. Uh, ref and Kidman none the wiser. Kidman goes up for the shooting star press, but he kind of puts two and two together and decides he's going to jump on Vampiro instead. Uh, brings him into the ring and starts slugging at him. Match gets thrown out. And then Eddie is back up and both men attack Vamp until he bails. Uh, but then Ray comes down behind him, throws Vamp back into the ring, and the baby faces beat him down and stand tall. Uh, interesting booking of that, that, like, you know, two weeks ahead of your pay-per-view. I don't know. We'll have to find out once we get there uh, what Vamp is doing, if anything. Well, but having the, the baby face run with his tail between his legs is interesting. Is Vamp the babyface? Or not, sorry, the babyface, sorry, the heel. I meant to say the heel. It's, uh, it, this is the origins of the Filthy Animals, correct? Yes, yeah. Because we've already had the... Um, because Ray they, and... They did that one promo describing the uh, where Conan describes him and Ray and Kidman as a bunch of filthy animals. Yeah, because Ray and Kidman obviously have the relationship. And was it two weeks ago we had... Eddie and Ray shaking hands and teaming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all kind of coming together now at this point. Yeah, starting to formulate. Uh, and unfortunately, Vampiro is on the receiving end of that. Uh, speaking of unfortunate things to be on the receiving end of us watching this next one, Lenny and Lodi versus the No Limit Soldiers of BA and Swole. I just wrote, Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say, in a match with a gay panic tag team, somehow... Brad Armstrong looks the most ridiculous of anyone in the ring. <laughs> and I will say, Lodi does the sign gimmick, and they very rarely make me laugh anymore, but Richard Gere for best actor was a solid gag, <laughs> especially when I realised it was August. It's like a full, like, seven months or so before the Academy Awards. That wouldn't have been, like, Runaway Bride, would it? Uh, I mean, I can find out. I'll go to Richard. Do you want to see what Richard Gere was doing in 1999 on IMDb? I mean, I want to see what Richard Gere was doing at any time, so. Yeah, don't we all? Yeah, he's a very handsome man. Um, Let's have a look. 1999. This is for all the gearheads in the audience. (laughs) Fucking Rick and Morty gearhead. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, did you see the, the, the full gear gears have been ditched? Oh! Nailed it. Runaway Bride is his only movie of 1999. His only movie. Yes. Hell yeah. In between, so he took most of 1998 off, it looks like. Uh, The Jackal came out in 1997. Decent movie. Uh, Then he does Runaway Bride, and then he follows that up with Autumn in New York. Have not seen that one. Uh, that one's in 2000. So yeah, his only movie theatrically released in 1999 was Runaway Bride. It's incredible how, how you, like, you hit the bullseye on that one. I'm looking around in the background of your, your, your video image there for like Runaway Bride posters or, or something like big, that. Big Julia Roberts fan. Big Julia Roberts. I mean, who who well, she, doesn't remember? This is around Aaron Brockovich era. Yeah, Julia I was just going to say, well, who, who wouldn't remember the, the reunion of the Pretty Woman cast? Yeah, of course. Of course. They're back. Just like Harlem Heat, they're back exactly. in 1999. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have much to say about this match, except it was fucking dog shit. And yeah, Brad Armstrong is just like, 
getting increasingly disheveled and shit every week. Yeah, he's so fucking lost in this gimmick. I get yeah. why they put him in the group, but yeah, man, it's so bad. It's a real Faustian bargain. Is that he clearly hates it, but it's also like, ugh, I'm on TV. I mean, look, you know, it's... his brother got fucking road dog over to a massive degree. He probably thought he could get this yeah. stuff over. Yeah. Um, um, what did you think uh, of Lenny and Lodi's slow progression? They're now covered in glitter. They're still brothers. And I, Lenny has pigtails now. So I think a lot about... I've heard wrestlers say one of the things other wrestlers hate the most is when they're wrestling a guy with a lot of body hair because usually that means within a couple of minutes of the match they fucking stink mm-hmm. right so wrestlers are a lot more hygiene conscious than you might think for what they do for a living and i think about how many people must have been royally fucked off about having to wrestle these guys in glitter because as we all know if you get glitter on you you are going to be finding it for fucking weeks mm-hmm. And not only are their opponents covered in litter, but I would assume the mat as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I would be so fucking mad if I had to wrestle them or wrestle after them and there's fucking glitter everywhere. Um, sw- I-, I do laugh that like already just a handful of matches in, Swole is basically not trusted to do any moves except a scoop slam and a heart punch. Yeah, which is unfortunate because as I say every time, the man looks like a fucking star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they win with the heart punch. Um, of course. Yeah, p- shit. Um, we have a Nash and Hogan video package yes. that you mentioned earlier on. What did you think of this? It was pretty well put together. I do think they over-dramatized it. Yes. I do appreciate that they are with video packages. They don't follow a particular formula and they're they are trying to do a bunch of different things with them. Mm-hmm. So this one I noted, the thing they're trying to do with this is tell the entire story of their feud, but there's no words in no. the video. Like it's all, you know, actions and angles, but without anyone speaking. And I think with those limitations placed on themselves for creativity's sake... I think they did a reasonably good job conveying that it is a big deal, even if, as you say, they overegged it a bit. They, they like they basically told the story of Nash and Hogan from about like late '97 on, like probably yeah. mid to late '97, where you're starting to get the the tease of uh, some dissension in the NWO, and they basically yeah. told that story from the Wolfpack through the reunion, um, Goldberg beating Hogan, Nash beating Goldberg. The finger poke. Yeah. Uh, Hogan losing the belt of flair. Nash, or Hogan um, getting the knee injury. Nash beating DDP. Savage beating Nash. Hogan beating Savage. Like, they they tell the whole story, but it's very, very fucking overwrought with, like, dramatic music through. Now, look, I will say, in their defense, because, you know, we can't complain both ways, you want to like G up and make everything feel like it's a big deal mm. do you know what I mean I kind of I would much rather they do this and overdo it and make everything seem like the biggest thing in the world than the other thing which they do a lot of the time which is just be like it's all ah, a big fuck joke. off yeah yeah, yeah. 
um, that nothing is important. So I'll give them that. Uh, next up, a singles match that I think, like, there is maybe never a time where both of these men are capable of doing it, but, like, it feels like if you got both of these men at their absolute peak, this would be a fucking banger. And it's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Booker T. Knowing this match would have been at best. Go for it. Around... Yeah, probably around 97, just as Bam Bam was kind of on the way down and Book was right on the way up. If yeah. these two had been like in like a... If you gave them like a 15-minute King of the Ring match, or like something along those lines on a pay-per-view, mm. I think it would have been fucking great. Or if Booker shows up during his ECW run. Yeah. Booker and ECW would be a... Man, like, like when Booker was getting hot, like... We, we say this so often, but man, watching his entrance... Yeah. He, like, he just screams fucking superstar. Like, I wish... two people I had that thought about. I had that thought about him, and then recently I was also like... I was looking at some old ECW, and I was like, how did no one take the punt on Rob Van Damme sooner? Because Van Damme well. was very difficult to work with. This, I suppose there is that. But, like, you talk about a guy who, like, exu- the, the moment you see him, you're like, that guy's a fucking star. Yeah, watch, watch yeah. if you've never seen, for anyone listening, if you've never seen a Rob Van Damme entrance in ECW, like, from, like, 1998 on, yeah, go watch, like, any of the original footage. It's, like, the man screams fucking megastar. And, and I do feel like... I do feel like it's an overdone point, but like for younger fans, it is worth stressing. Like you, you do know that like he used to be able to cut promos. Oh yeah, it wasn't just oh yeah, cool, whatever, dude. Yeah, hey, whatever, man. Um, yeah, no, like, like I said, watching Booker's entrance here, it's just I wish there was somebody like him now on like AEW, for yeah. example, and. He's chiseled out of fucking granite, first of all. Like, mm. you'd want to talk about somebody with a fucking, a great looking body at this point. Like, he's huge. Like, he's legit, like, 6'3", isn't he? I think so, yeah. Like, he's well-defined, a fucking great shape. I think his gear is fucking brilliant. I love yeah. the, the, the longer, um, the kind of Harlem Heat era tights with the flames. Um, yeah. I think that's his best look. And, yeah, the man was just... And, like, he was putting it all together in ring. Like, we've been saying this since pretty much early on in 98. He was starting to get it. And yeah. the fact that... By the by the time they give the bell to him, we're going to be so annoyed. Yeah. It's, it's way yeah. too late. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well. Anyway, uh, let's talk about this match with Bammer, shall we? Um, which serves as much to be an angle as anything else. Um, Bauer scoop slams Booker T grapple and a couple of Bam shoulder charges leapfrog dropkick from Booker T uh, Bam Bam rolls out of the ring Tanesa uh, allude, like very casually throws out that uh, Scott Hudson is out at the moment yeah. because Rick Steiner beat the shit out of him on Monday what the fuck they don't seem very phased by it Rick Steiner's attacking announcers now I mean maybe Tanay um, is thinking he has Zabisco beside him compared to uh, Bobby Heenan yeah yeah um, more back and forth an axe kick from Booker. It's just so funny to me at this point, the axe kick still being a transitional move. The axe kick is the setup for the spine buster. That's the setup for the missile drop kick. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just really funny considering like we had so many years of being conditioned that the axe kick is the finish. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, um Spinaroonie, even though it still doesn't have that name. Uh crowd loves it. This is the most over match on the show. Yes. Um Big old spine buster from Booker. He goes up top, but uh, unfortunately ruining our fun. Just as this match is getting cooking and the crowd are cooking, uh, DDP comes out, shoves him down. Uh, greetings cutter for the DQ. And then maybe the most incensed I was that David Flair came out, still United States champion <laughs> somehow. I love that they now have him dressing like his dad. Yeah. I wonder, I, I when he drops it, remind me to look it up. Will this be one of the longest US title runs of the night or in our run of Thunder? No, in the since we've been doing the podcast. Okay. Ooh. Because it's getting it's gotta be getting close. Like he won the belts. No. I win the belt is very oh, sorry, strong sorry, sorry, sorry. He, what happened. He was handed he was presented with the fucking belt. He was handed the belt like I wanna say not the pay per view cycle just gone, the one before. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's in his third month. Mm. <laughs> you're starting to get really worried. I might be right. I think you're. You? I think you're right. Yeah, it's fucking depressing. I don't want to look it up because I don't know when he loses it yet. The only uh, one that will come close is Goldberg, but his isn't even that long because as soon as he wins the world title, he drops the US belt. Yeah. God, for those to be the top two as well is fucking chilling, isn't it? Anyway. Anyway, uh, they spray paint Booker yellow. So their whole their, their whole stick there was everybody's got to have a spray paint gimmick. So they spray paint uh, a yellow three in a triangle on it for the triad. In a diamond, not a triangle. Or sorry, not yeah, a diamond, not a triangle. They, they totally stole um, the triple threats gimmick from uh, ECW. Yeah. Um, but then... Stevie comes out. Uh, David Flair tries to jump Stevie very unsuccessfully, but the triad have to come in and save his life. Um, next up, Mean Gene is in the ring with what Tanae says is going to be Macho and Gorgeous George, but there is no Gorgeous George. Uh, the crowd wants to see her more than they want to see Savage, which is very weird. I, uh, I thought they wanted Gorgeous George more than Savage. I think they just wanted both. Mm, maybe yeah um he has one good line in here about how he says the ex-basketball player is about to come an ex-wrestler and he means it from the bottom of his macho heart i think it was at that point that i said man macho was so fucking good not realizing that the promo was about to go off a fucking cliff yeah okay right you've clearly got some strong thoughts on this one do you want to take it up here because we've got an announcement of an announcement but then he just does the announcement yeah, so... Which is also five announcements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, the first half of the promo where he's, like, inciting the, the We Want George chants and he's ripping on Hogan, Nash, and Rodman. Very good. Mm. And then me and Gene was like, oh, is there anything else you want to talk about? He's like, yeah, I got four announcements, but I'm saving it for Monday. And he's like, even though you're the, the best... Uh, what do you call him? The... Not reporter... The best investigative journalist, yes, I think. in wrestling. Um, 
you're not getting I think, it. I think he says in the world. I don't think he just says in wrestling. Oh, possibly in the world. He's like, you're not getting he it. He gasses this man up to an unbelievable degree. He's like, you're not getting it out of me. And he's like, on Nitro, I'll make the announcements. And me and Gene like, just comes back with, well, you know, Randy, I've got a very prominent hotline. Can you give me a little hint? Yeah. And then he just goes, then, ah, fuck it, why hint. not? <laughs> and, yeah. he, and he rattles off what? the four announcements. What's great is like, it basically amounts to a, come on. <laughs> yeah, and he just rattled off his four announcements. One, uh, he's running for president, which we knew. Yeah. Two, there's going to be a Miss Madness 2000 contest. Yeah, which we knew. Three is... He said that immediately when um, Miss Madness gets dumped from the, the group. He's, he announced it was Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. So it's the second time he's announced it. Uh, multiple yeah. times he said he's running for president. Yeah. What was the third announcement? Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, he's... His his other announcement... His his other announcement is... Uh, well, so he's got he, two more announcements, which are, one, he wants everybody to think about how he might feel about Sid aligning with Yes, Nash, he plants seeds. Which that... isn't really an announcement. It's more of a, like... Scratch the beard. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, it was like more of a thing of like, oh, well, I brought Sid in, and now he's aligned with Nash. And how do you think I feel about that? Yeah, but without saying how he feels. About yes, it. and then his fourth announcement is that he he's going to have a bodyguard for Gorgeous George at Road World. Yeah, and who is that? Who is that uh, bodyguard? That that bodyguard is the person that's responsible for driving the Hummer. I nearly fucked my laptop out the window. Because this is another Hummer tease. It was just... This is the thing about the Hummer that I think people are only starting to get if they never watch this show show and they're only listening to our podcast to to kind of find out about Thunder. Is that there are so many times where the, the Hummer thing is dead and no one's talking about it and no one wants it to come back and then someone just brings it up again. The Hummer's the Hummer is poochy. It's just it's fucking dead. Let it stay dead. No one no one gives a fucking bollocks. I mean I oh care. Oh my god. Greatly great. <laughs> it's your own fault, because you've twenty four years of hindsight to know that it doesn't pay off ever. I guarantee like I, you better not guarantee it pays off because you know it doesn't. I can guarantee that the bodyguard is saying that to pay for you. No, because, well, maybe it is, but like... <laughs> I like the way you went, also, no, but actually, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but also, it's just as likely in WCW that it's another unnamed party. Maybe it's Spider. There's only three people we know it definitely won't be because another thing from The Observer is... Uh, this week signed officially to WWF contracts are the trio of Bubba Ray, Devon, and Stevie Richards. Oh God. Didn't realise all three of them signed. So they had, had verbal agreements for a couple of weeks and now it's believed they've signed. So it's not gonna be them on the pay per view. You know what that means we're, we're coming up to the point where we get to do the uh the Raven re debut in ECW. Yes. Mm, indeed. Yeah, I have that down. That's gonna be fun. Because isn't that the same night that is... There's something happens on WCW as well that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we will get to that. Anyway, that's, that's um, to come. That was a fucking horrible promo, that wasn't it? Oh, it was so bad. 
And that leads us into what, again, you talk about a match that, if left uninterfered or on a pay-per-view. I mean, we've seen them have bangers, these two. DDP and Chris Benoit. Um, I got excited when they announced it at the top of the show, and then I thought about it more. Yeah. I was like, fuck, it's thunder. Yeah. Um, Paige and Bam Bam do Benoit's mama's so dumb jokes. Benoit comes out on the attack. Fucking batters Paige with a few chops, which was fun. Just to cut you off, I will yeah. say, well, I don't know if it was just before DDP's entrance or while he was making his entrance, they made a really big deal about Benoit pinning DDP on Nitro. And they put it, yeah. put it over as Benoit's biggest singles win, which I thought was very well yeah. done. He pinned, a, he pinned a former world champ. Like. Two-time world champion um yeah no fair play uh clothesline over the top from benoit plancha onto both men on the outside uh and this is you know you'd have reason to get excitedly because the the pace of this match at the start you're like hell yeah this is gonna fucking slap um page does the uh the abdominal stretch assisted by pulling the top row ref jesus the ref was fucking high kick happy in this match uh because he, he breaks, he just boots his arm off the top rope, which requires a hell of a leg extension. Uh, Benoit then catches a big boot, spin, does two German pin attempts. Uh, DDP attempts to grab the ropes at a third, but another high kick from the ref to break his grip. It goes for the, the third pin attempt, kick out again. And then David Flair comes out. It gets foiled. Benoit slams Page on the US belt. Uh, he goes up for the headbutt, but uh, Paige pulls the belt in the way just in time and pins him. Now, what I will say is, the timing with which Paige pulls the belt in the way of the headbutt was perfect. Yeah. It's- like, he, he didn't pull it so early that Benoit looks like an idiot for still diving, and he didn't pull it so late that Benoit had to sell not hitting the belt. He pulled that belt in between them, exactly with enough time for his skull to careen off the belt yeah uh, ddp like you said timed it perfectly and you know what it's a really good finish the first time you see it yeah unfortunately benoit would use that finish oh about another 182 times in his career it's it's a staple of the benoit catalog yeah yeah. but this was a particularly well-timed one I've seen that exact spot go fucking absolutely scareways on people. So, you know, fair play to them for getting the timing down on that. Our main event, a main event in any arena in the country, Lee. Goldberg versus Flyboy Rocco Rock. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't think I can verbally uh, put across just how much I fucking hate <laughs> the public enemy. Do you know what? This is karmic retribution for when you were trying to, about two years ago on this podcast, with a straight face, get the public enemy nasty boys feud over. <sighs> They're fuck- You're now stuck with 99 pu- 1999 public enemy to pay penance. I mean... We've given shit to a lot of people on the WCW roster at this point. Yes. I don't think there's any two people on that roster. <laughs> I just I just thought that was the end of your point. <laughs> I just want everyone to know we've given a lot of shit to people on this roster. I don't think there's anyone in 1999 that looks worse 
than Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge at this point. Brad Armstrong's certainly in a race to get there. Brad Armstrong looks like a fucking a super like buff bag. Well. Yeah, compared to these two fucks. I mean, look, I um, I understand their influence and they had their moment and they were great in ECW. Yada yada yeah. Fuck off! They had no place on fucking mainstream TV in nineteen ninety nine. I'm sorry, they didn't. Um, can I say as well? Uh, somebody that shared your thoughts clearly was old Billy G himself. You know Goldberg doesn't give a shit about his opponent when he can't be arsed freshly shaving his head. <laughs> so there's a little bit you're looking at it on the network in nice kind of uprezzed definition, and uh, he is uh, a very stubbly head. Very stubbly. I'd almost call it bristly. <laughs> That's how long it's gotten. Can we have a conversation um, about Bill Goldberg? Please. I've come to realise, or come to theorise, shall we say, that... That they've already forgotten he's back on the roster. <laughs> no, 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 no. That the, the person who suffers the most by WCW's closure in 2001 is Bill Goldberg. Yeah. Because I really noticed it in this match. But I've I've thought like I've noticed it recently as well, like the bits we've seen with him. Mm. He's really starting to put it together. Like he like yeah. his matches are going a little bit longer. Like this is a match yeah. that eight months ago he would have won this in forty five seconds. Yeah. But he he has the entrance, he's always had the entrance down. Fucking Mega star entrance. Absolutely perfect. But he's now interacting with the crowd in a way that he yeah. didn't before. He's yeah. getting them G'd up. Like he's up on the throne because I think it's two or three times before this match even begins. Mm. Um, there's little things. Like he does a, a hammer throw, Irish whip, and he drops to a knee mm. to really put across the, the force he's putting into it. This is stuff yeah, that he's, he's getting the little bits. And this is what I was going to say. He had the aura. He's always had that. Yeah. And look, it's it's one thing people have often said is like, no matter how hard they tried, the three people that they never fully killed the the star reactions to by the end of WCW were Flair, Sting, and Goldberg. A god, they got awful close with Flair. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look. Uh, nobody outside of kind of the southern US probably cared about Ric Flair too much by the time he debuted in no. WWF but yeah. to, to go back to my in terms of I suppose in terms of reactions in the building at WCW shows mm. when people didn't care about anything in WCW they still cared about those guys yeah. I don't know I 100% agree with you um, but but just to go back to my point that like Goldberg kind of disappears when like it's late 2000 isn't it when he stops appearing so yeah like he doesn't show up in WWF until April 2003 mm. so like there's a whole three year period where he's got like I know he does sporadic shots in Japan for a couple of diff- different companies but for three years at his physical peak He's out of the business. And then when he comes back, he has to deal with the the bullshit of the WWF locker room in 2003. Yeah. And it's funny because like people would, would do the whole 
Goldberg. Like we talked about the Observer starting show, the, the Hall of Fame. And for years, people would go back and forward on Goldberg's candidacy. Mm-hmm. But like to me, if Goldberg, like if WCW stuck around post 2001, I think there's an argument to be made that Goldberg would have just kept improving, kept improving, kept improving, and putting it all together even more than he was. Like, by the end of, like, was it 2000, 2005 Raw, he has the match with. No, it's this fall Raw, isn't it? He has the match with Sid, 99. Yeah. Like, I believe so. So, like, there you go. Like, that's his best match up to that point. Yeah. And. To go back to my larger point is he was put all together, and in spite of WCW's insipid booking, I I'm in- oh, sorry go, go the, um sorry fall, so fall brawl ninety nine is Goldberg DDP Goldberg okay right so when's the Steiner match that is two thousands uh, go uh, or not Steiner it's Sid match isn't it the Sid match he bleeds to gusher. Uh, Overall, 2000. Scott Steiner, Goldberg. Okay, it's Steiner, okay. Uh, via technical submission yes. in a no-DQ match. Um, Jesus, this is a fucking... Yeah, leap into the future, me. I don't want to know. Um, fuck me, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> what happens over the next year? <laughs> I can I, I look. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um. But yeah, I ju- I just think that like a lot of people over the years have talked about how Goldberg just had that one run where it was ninety eight through two thousand. I just wonder, like, would he have just kept getting better and kept getting better? How how good? Would how, he have yeah, gotten? exactly. Yeah, we again like a lot of these people that come into the business with like who are green as grass as Goldberg was, but have tremendous natural athleticism. The main thing that helps them eventually click is just reps. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that like fuck them is like how scattershot the house show scheduling was. Yeah. And how, like, we just talked about how these guys are getting paid fuck all for the house show spots as well. So do you blame people for maybe skipping house shows or not being on them? It's like, you need to be guys, especially guys that are coming out of your fucking alleged developmental in the power plant. You've got to be like, no, fucko, you are working every house show we've got. And that's why, like, WWE kept house shows going for so, so long after maybe some people would say the business model has changed and you shouldn't be doing as many of them. Like, even if they are costing you a bit of money, it's like you're a graduate school for wrestlers. And it's, it's it, it, when it's, when they're used right, like you're getting guys who are about to work a TV program together to work up and down for a couple of months to get the match down, you know, so that by the time it gets onto pay per view, it's like well oiled. Yeah, like the 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 old WWF thing was to put people with X Pac, put them with Jericho, put them with Benoit Angle on on house show loops, and like I I said yeah. this on again the Discord, I would put like if I was AW, I'd run as many house shows as possible, and on every single house show, I'm doing Christian versus Nick Wayne. 
Mm. I don't care what it costs to get Christian to do all the house shows. Yeah. That's the match I put on every show. For those young kids, I am running house shows or I am all but ordering them. Onto independence. To fill their bookings yeah. with independence. Like some of these people that are green as grass and aren't getting any better because they work fuck all. Like a, we talked about Jade Cargill before on different shows, but like a lot of the women, like Sky Blue or like Ty Conti before she went down, people like that that like might develop if they were working three or four times a week and they might work once a week. I mean, the development that Ty Conti showed when she started working in AEW because she was working consistently. Whether it was dark, yeah. dark elevation, like whatever it was, but she was actively improving. Yeah. Um, it's just it's one of my things that I like. I I get you being worried about like what you will do to the domestic ticket sales if you're just flooding the market with house shows, but also I'm just like again there is that option of just sending people out to do like send Jade to Japan. Mm-hmm. send this person in in that direction have a tour like um, the, the whole thing like was when the big uk boom was going on there was the t- different touring matches there was whoop whoop man and zach went everywhere yeah. whoop whoop man and osprey went everywhere mm-hmm. there was like different matches that were literally everywhere chris brooks went fucking everywhere um yeah. like so there was different matches that would go over like make a again an example Christian and Nick Wayne a touring match and have them in Prestige Wrestling Revolver fucking all these US independents that run all the time put that match on everywhere and say yeah you will get a discount for running this match mm. it's not difficult yeah no um right uh, is there much we want to talk about on this this main event because it, it goes the way you imagine it does there was a great um, Jericho 4 they- Greenberg 0 sign in the background that was funny that was funny um we get a uh, them trying to get cheap heel heat at the start where they try to stomp a packers jersey and like people are so like they love the packers but they don't give a shit about public enemy so it doesn't get nearly as big a reaction as they probably wanted um i wouldn't say it gets no reaction but it doesn't it's, it's certainly like milder than you would think um there's a bit where there's a bit where Rocco puts up his hands and tries to fucking box with Goldberg. Again. Fucking. Absolute fucking jokers. He just grabs him by the throat and fucks him across the ring. Then he does that hammer whip. Um, Rock ducks a clothesline, goes for a crossbody, gets caught in midair, follow-away slam. The fucking strength of that man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grunge rolls a chair in. Uh, and provides a ref distraction as Rocco hits him with it. They double team him. Uh, Mickey J is blinded by a, a poke to the eyes, I believe. Um, they prop a table in the corner, and in the one memorable spot of the match, Goldberg spears both of them through it. Um, Jack hammers through the table. Uh, that's all she wrote. And uh, a, a nice line from Larry going off the air is like, "The next century belongs to Goldberg." And to your point, Lee, I wish that were true. Yeah, and it's also a nice nice little uh, sign-off because Sid's whole thing is that he's the Millennium Man and, of course, yes. this is their feud. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but as Goldberg is celebrating in the ring, again, a second very good sign over his shoulder. No, hit me. Taz could kill you. <laughs> because, obviously, this is the peak of Taz. Yes. Um, I was in the post-CM Punk firing thing i was watching some of his great AEW promos and i forgot the time that he hit taz with the 
beat me if you can survive if i let you mm-hmm. when he it, it, that was the the end of the infamous send hook promo yeah. when he basically what challenged all of team taz to a fight and, and like it's happened two or three times in aew and much as i love hook uh and much as i loved starks when he was in team taz and much as i love hobbs and the other guy is also there um <laughs> About two or three times, I'm like, this angle is building to a Taz match, and we will never get it. Yeah, it, it's one of those realizations you like, have to have eventually, that Taz will never take another bump, ever. Oh, yeah. Nor, if he could, would it be good. No. Because it's been so long, and like he's not in ring shape, God bless him. No. I mean, look, he's in better shape than he has been in years, I think. Yes, that's to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it's just never going to happen. Yeah. At least one part of Paul Heyman's infamous promo right before Survivor Series is true. He is a good commentator now. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a fat little commentator. Not a particularly good one. <laughs> it's like, fucking Paul was working stiff with everyone that night. Uh, I do love the angle that he did at the uh, one night stand where Taz just walks out and chokes out Jerry Lawler. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because he do, he does he does basically the same thing at two successive because he does it to Bischoff. He does. That's right. Yeah. As well, yeah. he comes out. He comes out and takes out Bischoff because that's the one where like we knew he was going to wrestle Lawler in the opener mm-hmm. at the two thousand six one, but no one knew he was coming out on the two thousand and five one, and then fucking they played War Machine. Yeah. And fucking Hammerstein loses their shit. God, I need to go, and rightfully so. I need to go back and watch that show. Yeah, but not the network version because no. no Enter Sandman or War Machine. God. Anyway, enough talking about better shows. Let's tie the bow on this one and kick it into the bin, shall we? Um, day, uh, Thunder episode seventy four. Uh, who were your winners and losers? What did you think of the whole thing? It was a pretty boring show overall. Um. Yeah, I've had much more crack talk. And yeah, it was way, way more enjoyable to talk about it than actually watch it. Um, yeah. So you guys are getting the good end of the stick here, listen. Yeah, please please do not watch these shows. Um, <laughs> Unless we tell you, don't watch any yeah. of these. I think the big winner on the show is Goldberg and Chris Benoit. Like, I know Benoit lost, but I think they did yeah. a really good job putting over his, his big win on Nitro. Um, and obviously Goldberg just looked fucking phenomenal um, mm. the b- biggest losers is I mean Buff Bagwell just like I know he's winning but he's just not looking great no yeah I I just I want to go like you were trying to be devil's advocate earlier and be like well at least they're trying with Buff but it's just like it's it's another one of those. By the time they're half hours trying to do it, it's too late. Like we we said it when, when he came back in the wheelchair. On that, was it the pay per view or the night? Whatever it was, like after the second neck injury, and they had mm-hmm. lightning in the bottle, and he should have torn them on Scotty because Rick was the one to fucking check yeah. on him and all that. Like they yeah. they had a moment and they just didn't go with it. Yeah, sad. The uh, finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga has seven matches in this show. Three clean finishes, three disqualifications, and one interference leading to a finish. Classic WCW. 
Thanks very much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. We'll be back on the free feed in two weeks. We'll be back at alargemanappears.com next week. Um, and yeah, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.